0: Hey, what up, guys? It's me again, and welcome to the This Is My Moment podcast. And you know, here at This Is My Moment, man, we have a good time. We love laughing. We love life. We are gonna go get it every time. And there ain't no stopping it. This is my moment. Uh, join the movement. We bringing people together. Bringing positivity. Making changes for the better. So today, I got I got a young man with me that has a phenomenal story, and I'm trying to do it some justice. I got some good questions. But I know you're
1: going to make me look real good. Introduce yourself. Hey, my name's Doug Noel. I'm a lawyer turned peacemaker. Probably never heard of that before. Yeah, That's because I'm, balance. as far as I know, I'm one of the few in the world that do that kind of work. Yeah. So background-wise, I grew up in Southern California with okay. a, lot of, a lot of disabilities, managed to overcome them Yeah, with a lot of difficulty and challenge. Uh, went to Dartmouth College came okay. back to california went to law school yeah i was a hardcore trialer for 22 years and got sick of it and in mid career uh, went back to school and earned my master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies okay and in 2000 i walked away i gave one week's notice and I walked away from a 10 million dollar a year law or a 10 million dollar law practice just mm. walked away cold
0: Ooh.
1: and opened up my own practice as a peacemaker and that's what i've been doing ever since and i've done some pretty amazing stuff in the last 22 years oh yeah i
0: want to touch on some
1: of it yeah
0: i want to touch on some of it but i'm gonna well before we even get into my questions 10 million dollars and you walk i walked Ooh, you talking about taking a chance on
1: yourself uh it was the best decision i ever made i dig that brother I dig. Sometimes you got to bet on yourself, man. Oh, man. I mean, I don't make any near, anywhere near that kind of money today, but my life is so happy. Yeah. I've helped more people in a week doing what I do today than I helped in 22 years as a trial lawyer. That's solid. And that's that's the payoff. It's that's, not about money. Yeah, I had the big house and the big car and the yeah. fancy this and the fancy that. It's all bullshit. <laughs> right, it really is. I mean, I, there's not a billionaire on the planet that's happy. Yeah, they're all miserable. <laughs> so they can have their they can have their money and their misery, and I'll have my comfortable life yeah. being blissfully happy. I dig that, brother.
0: I dig that. And you know what? It's something about waking up in the morning and feeling good. That's right. <laughs> Let me ask you this: and you touched on a little bit in your opening, man. Your disabilities, man. I was reading. It was a lot of them, man. What did you do to overcome? What <laughs> did you do to overcome the disabilities,
1: man? What got you going? Ah, uh, stubborn.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> man, that is. <laughs> I, I was I was blessed with parents who on the one hand, they couldn't give me the emotional support I wanted, so I was pretty emotionally wounded for a long time, but uh, but they did give me a lot of other support. And we got I grew up in Southern California and uh we got into st- my I had I was the oldest of four boys, and we all got into this Boy Scout scouting, Okay. and that got us into the mountains, backpacking, and fishing, and climbing, and outdoor stuff. And so it was just it was painful, yeah. but I loved it, and I just kept pushing through it, and pushing through it, and pushing through it, and pushing through it. And you know, my eyesight I was doing poorly in school, and then in the fourth grade, some bright nurse had the idea to test my eyes, <laughs> and they found out that I was 2400 you know blind yeah. they give me the big coke lens glasses with the bl- black rims back in the 50s when it, that was just a buzzkill for the girls <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i could read and i <laughs> went like, I, <laughs> yeah, I could see and so like in one summer i jumped three grade levels or something like that i mean i just my learning accelerated because finally all of a sudden i could figure out what i was doing and So, but the problem was by then I was, you know, I covered up all my emotional hurt with arrogance and I was super smart and now I'm looking like a nerd. And, you know, I was, you know, an athlete in high school, but I played water polo and swam and, you know, those were buzzkills too. So I didn't have much of a social life, Um, but I just slowly overcame it and it's taken decades. I mean, I'm 72. I've overcome most everything now Um, and I've done a lot of really cool stuff because of that. Oh yeah. Oh I saw some, man. We're gonna talk about them later. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you,
0: hey, you laugh, man. But I was reading all the things and I'm gonna bring them up later, so I'm not gonna to touch on them right now. But I was reading some of the stuff, man. I was like, how? You know, and, and I'm just and I was like, when I talk to them, well, was,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll give you the secret. Well I don't I haven't owned a television set in 40 years. What? What's I don't watch mean? television, I don't listen to the radio. If you if you if you get rid of the television and get rid of radio, all of a sudden you've got all this time, yeah, and you can do some pretty amazing things when you got that time. You ain't lying. You ain't lying. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone that said they ain't got a TV, man. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm the first, but I'll be the first for a lot of things you've probably never heard before.
0: (laughs) And one of them is the very next question. Not this one. I got something for you, though. What keeps you motivated? You know what I mean like minus the TV, minus
1: the, your disability, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? Well, today what keeps me going is service to humanity. Oh yeah. I love serving people. Yeah. And I I get to serve people in so many different ways and so many different levels. Yeah. It's, that's it's just really exciting to me to be able to help people. Mm. Like earlier today I was on a long call, hour and a half call. Yeah, we can talk about this too. Uh, uh, with a with an a, adult daughter estranged from her parents. Okay, and it was our second conversation. What I'm doing is I'm facilitating difficult conversations between people. Right, and uh, I'll give you the web page later. But but so if anybody has a difficult conversation, and everybody has a difficult conversation they're avoiding. Of course, I'm doing this for free, and this was the second conversation that yeah. we had, and we went deep and found out about the abuses sexually that both the daughter and the mother had suffered. The daughter in college, the mother when she was a child. And it was the first time in their lives that they'd ever talked about this. And it started clearing the air between the two of them. Yeah. And and just that work, just helping people reconcile. Yes. Uh, or, working, or my prison work, going into prisons and tra- training lifers how to be peacemakers. Yeah. We're going to talk about that, too, because I read yeah, I mean, that was a real every, interesting Every day is a day of service. It's amazing.
0: That's heavy. Okay. And, and I talk about having the difficult conversation with yourself. Right. <laughs> that, too. <laughs> I, tell people, I tell people all the time, and this is not a secret, man. Like, you can lie to anybody. You can lie to anybody. Right. But lying to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, because you got to look in that mirror, brother. You got to look right. in that mirror. And it's hard. It's scary. And now you're facilitating that conversation because a lot of times, and, and I've been a victim of it, like you you think it'll just go away or you think that time will, will heal right. the wound and you still have that animosity. I had it, and this is just a story about, about me personally, that I had to have that conversation. And my dad, I didn't tell my dad I loved him for 20 years. I was upset. And one day, you know, as I got older and I got a family of my own, you know, and, and I was like, you know what? I actually love the guy, but I just never told him I loved him because of some of the things that had happened growing up. That's and right. One, and one day we were talking, we both grown up, he was my pops. And I'm about 35 years old at this time. And I and has been like since I was 11, I never told him that I loved him. So 24 years later, I've never told this guy that I loved him. And we're talking and all of a sudden right we start crying right and we're starting to bring up some of the reasons that he did some things and some of the reasons that I took it personally and when it and sometimes it didn't even have nothing to do with me i was a victim of circumstances but once we got that conversation out the way everything else made was easier like i started oh, yeah. talking to him more right i love like every time i talk to him now I love you, Dad. You know what I mean, and and, and we go see him. But it was that initial conversation that we had. That's right. And the
1: tears, like man, we was in our crying. It's deep. <laughs> well, good for you, and you were able to have the courage to do it yourself. And yeah. a lot of people don't have that courage, and that's why I'm I'm here to help them. Yeah, I yeah. can have you have that. I can help people have that difficult conversation. Yeah, and they can have do exactly. What you experienced with your father, with somebody else that they have a relationship with, that yeah. there's something between you and the other person. And if you don't take care of it, it's going to break the relationship. Anyways, yeah, so, no, so we got into that because you asked me what turns me on every day. And that's what turns me on serving others. There you go. So you talked a little bit about
0: it. You were a lawyer turned peacemaker. I'm going to tell you, I never heard what I never heard that. So explain what a lawyer term peacemaker,
1: what it is. Well, there are a, there are a, a number of us. Okay, most lawyers won't call themselves that are doing. Okay, so there is a profession called mediation. Yeah, where we are a mediator. That's I am a mediator. Okay, and there are a number of us that mediate all kinds of different kinds of conflicts, and there okay. are also non-lawyer mediators. Mediators are people. Who are called into a conflict or a dispute or a lawsuit to help the parties okay. figure out how to solve the problem and end the conflict. Right. And all di- there are different kinds of mediations and different kinds of mediators. Okay. Uh, the legal mediators, the lawyer mediators, are mostly involved in settling lawsuits. Right. And I've done a lot of that. But when I went back to school, I was trained. I was trained by the Mennonites, uh, one of the traditional Protestant peace churches. I'm not a Mennonite myself, but it was a, it was a mind blowing experience to be trained uh-huh. by these people. And so I do a lot of what we would call non-litigated disputes. For example, a family business conflict, yeah, or an a problem over an estate where mm-hmm. siblings or or people who are beneficiaries of an estate are fighting over the estate, or a Partnership dispute in a business or a corporate dispute; these are all disputes that you can't take to a court of law because there is no remedy. But they're they're serious, deep conflicts that need resolution. And I have a huge set of skills. I have a toolbox that I sling over my back (laughs) and walk in and help people do that work. And that's peacemaking. And And what I what I'm really interested in doing is helping people resolve conflicts while maintaining and reconciling relationships mm. yeah that's And litigation breaks relationships that's oh, one yeah. of the reasons i got out oh, yeah. uh, but in peacemaking i can get a better result than anybody can get in trial yeah or in the courtroom yeah and typically preserve the relationship make mm. the relationship even stronger yeah yeah and I'll
0: tell you what, just over the years, right? I'm 45 years old, so you got a couple on me, but the- I'm old
1: enough <laughs> to be your dad.
0: <laughs> Ain't no lie, brother. <laughs> but you know, I'm 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 looking at like life and, and it seems like money, right? Money is 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 one of the biggest things that people lose special people over, right? And and, and the tough conversations, the well this person they didn't have a wheel but I stay here in these these kind of things and, and and you get accustomed to a certain style of living right you get you get you get sucked into not moving down because this person passed away but now it's, it's crazy and and, and you're helping people get through the mud of that is that what I'm hearing That's exactly right man that's heavy that's heavy and and I see you're author too.
1: Prison of Peace. Is that that's one. Not a, that's not a book. That's a project. But as a result of Prison of Peace, I wrote my fourth book, Deescalate. Deescalate. How to calm an angry person right. right. seconds or less. So Prison of Peace is not a book. It's a, it's a movement kind of it's deal. It's a project. Yeah. So Prison of Peace arose uh, as a result of a letter that my dear friend, Laurel Coffer, who's a mediator in Los Angeles, yeah. a lawyer, a lawyer uh, received from a woman. Women serving a life sentence without possibility of parole in the largest, most violent women's prison in the world. Goodness. And she asked if Laurel would come into the prison and teach the lifers in the prison how to become mediators to stop prison violence. Mm. Laurel, as soon as Laurel got the letter, she was standing at her mailbox and called me yeah. and said, "What do you think?" And the reason she called me was because I live about an hour and twenty minutes from the prison, okay. and. She, we were were very close friends, and she, you know, she could trust me, and I'm a secondary black belt, so she knew she'd be safe with me. (laughs) Uh, So she read the letter to me, and uh, I said, "Yeah, we should do this." Yeah. So fast forward six months, and now it's April. Nine months. It's April of. 2010 and and now we're in prison and we're training 15 women all of them serving life for long-term sentences how to become peacemakers wow and that's how it started and today we're all around the world we're in 14 prisons in greece we've got 15 prisons in california a prison in connecticut we've got startup we're going to do a pilot project in denmark we've got startups in nairobi and northern italy and we've got inquiries from all over the united states doing this and what's really cool is during the pandemic you know we were we couldn't go into we didn't want to go into the prisons and we weren't going into prisons because COVID was so bad but we we took um we we put filmed our entire curriculum Mm. so now it's on now it's on it's digitized yeah and what's really cool is we used people that we trained in in prison inmates that we trained in prison who have been released on parole and they were our trainers and teachers on the videos really cool stuff And it turned out gorgeous. and So now we can offer this digital curriculum to anybody in the world that wants to do Prison of Peace. And basically, it's a year-long program. And we train people. We take people who are incarcerated, starting from knowing nothing about peacemaking, and we turn them into very powerful, skilled peacemakers in a year. Goodness gracious. So how did the book come from that? So in 2013— So we were now three years into the project. Uh, We had started working in our first men's prison and the men all had done research on me and knew that I was an author. I was just finishing up my third book, Elusive Peace, and they started bugging me and said, well, why don't you write a book for us? Because we need to explain to our families what we're learning and we can't tell them over the telephone or in visits. So would you please write a book talking about all of this? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. So finally I said, yes. Yeah. I finally said yes. And, and in, uh, so I started writing the book and uh, the book went, I wrote it really fast. It took me six weeks to write the thing. Wow. And, uh, we, uh, we've sold it. My agent sold it to Simon and Schuster just before Thanksgiving in 2016 yeah. to our amazement. It was the fastest turnaround Simon and Schuster has ever had on a book. They had that book out. I turned in the final manuscript right after Thanksgiving in 2016, and the book was published on September 17th, or yeah, September 17th, 2017, or September 19th, something like that. I mean, it was a, it was literally a nine-month turnaround. They've never done that before. Wow. Anyway, so that's how the book got started. And the book is all about how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds or less, which wow. is a skill I developed okay. in 2005. Can you give me a little bit? Sure, I was I was in the middle of a really nasty lawsuit between okay. a divorce couple. They were they'd each spend over fifty thousand dollars on an eighteen thousand dollar problem. Goodness gracious! They were so angry at each other that if there had been knives on the table, there would have been blood on the floor. Ooh. They were screaming vile epithets. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So my back was up against the wall. I had no idea what to do. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the thought came to me. Listen. the emotions Mm. so i stopped them yeah and i turned to the woman susan and i said susan as john is talking what i want you to do is just listen to and reflect back yeah what his emotional experience is yeah and she did that with some coaching and by me and then as she as she started doing this she i could just watch her she moved from being a victim to being empowered yeah and i watched him calm down. Yeah. When, she, when he was done telling his story, they switched roles. She told his her story. He did the same thing for her, reflected back her emotional experience. And when it was all over with, he put his face in his hands and started sobbing. I mean, really deep, racking sobs. Yeah. And for about like three or four minutes, we just sat there in silence, gave him space, and then got the Kleenex, wiped himself out, blew his nose, and cleaned himself up. Yeah. And he looked across the table and he said, "That's the first time you've listened to me in twenty-five years." Wow. And they wow. settled the case without my help right in front of me and got up, held hands and walked out and had lunch with each other. Wow. And three hours before they would have killed each other if they had if they could. Wow. And my jaw was on the floor. Yeah, mine on the floor. And I wasn't even there. <laughs> so yeah. so I knew what I'd done and I started testing it and it worked every single time. And then, then in two thousand seven, um, a brain scanning study came out of a UCLA laboratory okay. that showed exactly what happens in the brain when you do this. Pro- it turns out this process is called affect, A-F-F-E-C-T, labeling, affect labeling. Okay. And the brain scanning study shows exactly what happens in the brain when this happens. They tested it. And so now I had hard science to support why this works and nothing else works. This yeah. works. This has hard science to show why it works and nothing uh-huh. else works. So I began to teach it yeah. and more and more people. And then when we started the prison project, this became the first skill that we taught our inmates and our students. And we just saw incredible results. Yeah. Incredible results. And to this solid. day, we see incredible results. A solid, man. That is amazing.
0: That is amazing. And, and listening to you, the passion that you speak on it, this is the reason why you left 10 million right here, brother. Right. That is, that's passion. That's love. And then listening to me, I always talk about a so a closed circle of communication. And I think communication when the, when the circle isn't closed, you let all the other stuff in and out. But once you close that communication and you really start listening to people, so many more things can be resolved so many more things get put on the table and and you're not sweeping it under the rug man and 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 what you're doing is commendable and i want to i'm gonna take a look at it once we're done to 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 really deep dive into into what you're getting at man because i think that it's phenomenal
1: thank you well you go to go to that go to that page oh yeah It's, it's
0: huge when you're having your bad day right when you can't and you can't like get through to somebody, do you have anything that you go to like, a quote or saying or anything of that to, to help motivate you?
1: You don't have nothing like that? What I, don't, I don't have bad days. I
0: like that. I, like I that. just don't have them. That's it right there, brother. So the I best way to not
1: need something is not have it. I just don't have a bad day. There's no such thing as a bad day in my life. Uh, sometimes I get frustrated, but, yeah. but I don't get frustrated with people. I get, I get frustrated with my computer. I get frustrated with Facebook. I get frustrated with... Okay. <laughs> That's what I get frustrated with.
0: Okay. Okay. I can dig that. I can dig that. Two but I don't never get frustrated working with people. I think I'm going to have to change the way I'm looking at it. I don't think I'm going to have a bad I day. Have, so I don't have a bad day. You don't need nothing to go to. Every day is a good day. I like that. So now, at the end of every show, I like to have a good day. And my good day is get the <laughs> genuineness. I like to get the genuineness out of people. Guys, Mr. Doug, he had the questions, and he had some great answers, and I love it, and I love your story. But these next three, just like always, he don't know them. So we're going to have our little word association, phrase association game. Okay, I'm ready. Here we go. So I realized after looking you up, and correct me if I'm wrong, airplane pilot, helicopter.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Fly fisher. Yep. Certified ski instructor. Yep. Whitewater Rafter. Yeah. Violinist. Yeah. Sailor. Yeah. You can only keep one.
1: You can only be one thing. What Ooh. are you keeping? I'd stay with the music. You're
0: going to stay with the music?
1: I'd stay with the music.
0: Ooh, okay. You got,
1: you got a lot of good
0: stuff on here.
1: I know. I love it all. I'm passionate you know, about all of that. I dig But that. I would stay with the music.
0: Too easy. Too easy. Next one. What's the hardest
1: to do? Active listening or having a difficult conversation? Well, I don't like to use the term active listening. Okay. I prefer to use the term reflective listening. Too easy to use um, And it's harder. It, I would say if you don't have a reflective listening skill, then having a difficult conversation is very, very hard. Oh, okay. It's much easier to have a difficult conversation with reflective listening than it is to not have that skill, right. which is why the conversations are difficult. Because they're deeply emotional. Last question, okay, <laughs> I tell
0: you the phrase this is my moment. First thing that comes to your mind this okay. is my moment.
1: What comes to your mind? Oh, I'm gonna go way back <laughs>
0: to
1: 1985. okay? I was thirty five years old. okay And that in those days, I was still a trial lawyer right um, but I had been working really hard on getting my level three certification as a ski instructor, which right. is very difficult. There are not many level threes around. Okay. That really tough physical exam. And I'd taken it three times before and failed every time. I'd never failed my technical and teaching. I'd always failed my skiing. My skiing wasn't strong enough. Right. On this particular day, it was the last day of the exam and we're outside, beautiful cold spring day. At Mammoth Mountain in California, and I'm about, I'm clipping into my skis, and somebody runs up and says, "Hey, where's Noel?" And I raise my hand and I say, "You got a phone call. Your secretary's calling." I said, and "I said, dang, she knows better. She knows what I'm doing. You know, I'm. She knows how important this is." Yeah. She said, "He said it's really, really important." So I said, "Okay." So I run in and take the call, and she said, "I know you're really busy, and I would not bother you, but I just wanted to let you know." That you got the judgment, you got the uh, the court order in this case that I've been working on, sure, and sure. you just you you just won seven million dollars for your client, and I was high as a kite, <laughs> and I went out, and I was dude, I was good. <laughs> I clipped out of my skis, and I said, I don't care what happens today. And everybody said, what happened? And I said, I just won the biggest lawsuit of my career so far. And everybody kind of looking at me and high-fiving me, and I said, let's go ski.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I could do no wrong, and, and uh, I passed the exam. Man, so that was my moment. That's it. That was a great moment, too, boy. <laughs>
0: Man. Man. Mr. Doug, thank you. Okay, You're welcome, welcome. It was, it was great. It was emotional. It was reflective on me. And I, I'm going to change the way that I speak a little bit on some of the game that you
1: gave me. Do that. I Listen like to it. the emotions. Listen and reflect the emotions with the you, Steven. Like You'll be it. amazed at how things shift.
0: Hey, guys, sometimes it's okay to change. Sometimes it's okay to reflect. I've been doing things a way that worked. Now I got something that may work a little bit better. And change is okay. Change is growth. We know that. And at the end of the day, you gotta do what's growth and what's good for you, and then you gotta go get it. There ain't no stopping it. This is my moment. Uh, Join the movement. We bringing people together. Uh, Bringing positivity. Making changes for the better.